With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Morning guys, Russ here, and I've got some exciting news for you all. Support from All Over Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Manscaped has just launched in the UK. And men have gone for years and years and years without having the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing products. I know over the years I've struggled many times with personal grooming, shaving, creams, cutting yourself, all that sort of stuff. But none of that is a problem with the Manscaped redesigned electric trimmer. It features a cutting ceramic edge blade to reduce grooming accidents. 7,000 RPM motor, which enables it to work seamlessly through even the thickest of hair. So, go get rid of that bush, make it clean and tidy, and get 20% off and free delivery with the code MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free delivery with MALLOVER20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will definitely thank you. Now it's time for Brian Habana. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello, good evening, and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast. The only rugby podcast gives you all the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our podcasts on Apple Pods and the Google Store and lots of other podcatcher-type areas. Uh, this week, I am joined by Housewife's favourite, Phil Farnvet. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, very good, thank you, Russell. Good man. Uh, nice guy, Cornish Rugby Podcasting, Ben Eustace. Good, thanks. And taking the place of our usual um, resident curmudgeon, uh, no lensman this week, he is currently... Uh, very cleanly shaven balls deep in a Pro 14 match. Um, 
This week we're joined by uh, Welsh fan and Bristol Bear, Ryan Keyshaw. How you doing, Ryan? Uh, great, thanks, guys. It's so nice to be back on. Um, and it was only October that we were all sat down, fully compliant, I might add, in a pub in Cornwall and having a great meal, you know, just shooting the shooting the breeze. It was great. I know. Yeah, October. That seems like, well, it seems like a lifetime ago now. Um, yeah. And I've got to say... Um, Ryan, obviously, it's great. It's great to have you back on. And at the time when I, I first spoke to you about coming on again in the near future, Wales were were right in line for a grand slam. <laughs> um, how did that turn out for you? Do you know what I think? I think I'm going to be really philosophical here. I think Wales rode their luck, and I'm going to say that I woke up not excited on Saturday, and my wife was like, "But it's a grand slam. Why aren't you?" Why aren't you excited? And I was like, it just doesn't feel like it does in like all the other times. And there's been quite a few. So I grew up obviously never seeing one until 2005. And, yeah. and, and then we've kind of been a bit spoiled by them. But, they, they, but, but this time it was, it's so weird with COVID and everything. But also there's luck here. Look, there was luck that we beat Ireland. I still can't believe that. Scotland. Okay, uh, I'm not even going to go into the England debate because we're open a can of worms. But let's just say... I think Wales were the better team on the day. And then and then the France game, I think we were the better team and we lost it for a bit of luck. So I'm not having but, it. So, you know. Before, before we go too far into it, Ryan, where, where are you from originally? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I come from actually the same kind of place as Russ. Very close, aren't we, Russ? So yeah. what, Western Super Wales? Yeah. It's, it, when, you, when you're down there in Bristol, it is, it's like being... Scottish in Carlisle or it's, it's one of those border places where at school we used to play English versus Welsh to pick sides and things so I know, no, you, you know you I'm, kind I'm of brought Somerset up on it as well I know I know about all you're, you're from street you're just from a posh Millfield boy so I'm, I'm not come I'm on. not from street I am not from street <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Wales you're from, you're from the Clark's <laughs> village you know? I'm, from, I'm from in between Wales and Glastonbury you're the, like the hot, you're like hot fuzz Hilton. country then hot fuzz country yeah exactly yeah yeah. Um, but anyway, my my point was, um, you don't sound very Welsh. You're not from Wales. Um, you didn't go to school in Wales. Why, why do you support Wales? Well, if it's all right for Hadley Parks, it's all right for me. Yeah, it's not right for me. I'm fed up with these <laughs> fucking English people born in England, raised in England, spend their life in England, but support somebody else just to be obnoxious pricks. I'm fed up with it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> And you're you're taking the brunt here. You're taking the brunt here, Ryan, of a lot of people I know who've spent their entire lives in England supporting some other team just to but, be but fools. So wait, 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 wait. I, at school in the nineties, we were shit, and I used to get rinsed every week, and I stood by it. It's like um, I feel like this is with all my teams. Bristol stood by them completely. I've been never supported Bath. I never went to Gloucester. I never. You know, like you supported Exeter when it became trendy, um, when they started winning things. Uh, I've always I, I, stood by Bristol. I started supporting them when I moved to Cornwall. It was, it was purely geographical. Yeah, but no, that's fair. I point. hope you're going to switch um, to the Pirates. Uh, if they get in the Premiership, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? When they get the new stadium in Truro, you can go down. Uh, yeah, there. no, no. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm. It'll probably be the first place I pay to go and watch a game of rugby. Will be the Pirates. Just, if nothing else, because of accessibility. 
They should still I'd, I'd love to see to the Pirates. Newland, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That I'd love to come down. I'd love to come down, and we could all go out and watch the Pirates play, even if it is in the Championship. I've seen them play at Ashton Gate, but uh, what a great night out that would be. Well, but get no, down the so, men, eh? we get the train down. That'd be cool. So, so I'll apologise partially, Ryan. You're taking the brunt for a lot of other people, but I'm just fed up with people like there's guys in the Newquay Hornets Facebook Messenger group who like rave about supporting Wales, and they've never been outside of Cornwall, and they're just yeah. I'm, I'm not having it. So one of the best rugby days of my life, non-playing, was 2013. And my wife was working at Royal Bank of Scotland at the time. And they had this competition to go present the Man of the Match award because it was Man of the Match then, wasn't Player of the Match. And uh, everyone filled in the form. And they obviously thought, oh, this could get messy. Let's pick the woman from legal who's not you know, going to behave and not go crazy. And I went there thinking, oh, this is going to be awful. England are going to win. Because if you remember, it was the one where Stuart Lancaster was there and Rob Shaw, and all they needed to do was not lose by nine points. Yeah. Wales, go on and do a stonker. And, and, and she went on and put it on Justin Tipperick. And that was just an amazing day. Um, Alex but, you know, was I grew, Alex Cuthbert day, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and, and then, uh, it's so nice, actually, when you see... You've only seen glimpses this season. I know you're both Exeter fans, um, Russ and Phil. When you see him just score a trial, get that glimpse back. But, yeah. you know... He's shown flashes, Rester, um, but he's he's just too injury prone. You know, he, he's he's had far too much time out out injured, unfortunately. But what what, um, what, right, what did you guys though in... think of the Wales performance? Though I know we've not talked about well, that, but like the actual the actual oh, you, game. You summed it up perfectly, Ryan. They were um, disjointed against Ireland and and scraped through. They were a bit better against Scotland, but ultimately pretty lucky in the way it finished. They played reasonably well against England. They were the better side against England. I'm not. I'm not doubting that, but I wouldn't say they played particularly well. They played better than they had done, and that progression continued. And against France, it was the best game that they've played by a country mile. But yeah. equally, France. I mean, there's there's been two games in the Six Nations that I've I've got to the end of and gone. You know what? I don't really care who wins here because they're good games of rugby. And that was France, England, and France, Wales. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I, de- I definitely, definitely cared about the end result of France-Wales. Um, yeah, I can't say I've thought much about the game because I've been too busy laughing since about uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday yeah, night. For, for, about, for about 30 seconds towards the end, I didn't really care who won because it was a great game. Um, but, I'm, but I'm glad France won. So, so here's the thing, right? We mentioned... We knew what we were going to get from France this tournament and, and we've absolutely got it. Um, other than... That last 20 minutes against England where they had lots of opportunity when England sort of started to fail in discipline, um, France have looked absolutely imperious. And they did the same, you know, early doors against against Wales. That that opening 15 minutes where they went, they were going try for try, which and and it wasn't bad defense, it was just superb rugby, great play, uh, all all the way around. And I was thinking, well, this is this is going to be an absolute humdinger. Um, what I found with Wales is that they seem to have stumbled across something that has now finally started to work. They started the Six Nations with Johnny Williams and Nick Tompkins in the centre. Right? If they gone, if those two hadn't got injured, I wonder where Wales would be now, because I'm not convinced that. 
Pivac would have bought in Jonathan Davis and put George North at 13, had he had had uh, Williams and, uh, and Tompkins and Watkin and, you know, would uh, Halaholo have been given a chance at, off the bench? Because I think he's been very good. Would would he have done that had had he had the people that was were available earlier in the in the competition? And you know it's hard to answer it's hard to answer that question. However, George North at thirteen, and I I had written George North off a little while ago as a winger, especially because his his performances for quite some time now have been well below the expected expected level of what George North set himself over the last 10 years. You know, for the last three years, say, he's no, been nowhere near that level. You know, it was last year at Northampton and and then and then when he moved off, it's just not been, not been good enough. And what I've seen from George North this tournament at 13, whilst there have been some potential defensive frailties in getting squared up a bit too easily when the ball goes wide early, um... Having Josh Adams and Louis Rees-Summit outside him, that absolute gas in, enables him to defend in that way and, and kind of navigate, kind of, I say circumnavigate, kind of uh, appeases his defence, is the fact that they are so quick and they are able to recover. Um, and that has been a real, real positive, and as well as a return to form of, of Jonathan Davis, uh, who I think has been, you know, has been fantastic. And rather than having that big ball carrier at twelve that they've seemed to have stuck by through the Gatland years, you know, your your Parks and your Roberts and your and your one out Gatland ball, having Jonathan Davis and George Ford out there, George Ford, George North out there has been a uh, has been a real revelation for Wales. Phil, you wanted to come in. Yeah, so you're right, um, but there's I think there's two real keys to making that work. And the first is the fact that Dan Bigger is such an intelligent fly half. Now, for me, I know we're going to do a bit of Lions chat later, but for me, he's, he's my Lions starting 10. But what he has brought that allows that to work is distribution. It's, it's the ability to get the ball to the players that need to get the ball. The other thing, because you've got... Both um, in particular North, but but Davis to some degree as well, aren't always the best distributors of the ball. They're massively talented rugby players, but George North in particular is a pretty poor distributor at times. You've got both Reese Zammett and Adams coming in field 15, 20 yards, looking for the ball and being good, strong, heavy, but also lightning quick runners in, in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. And teams just don't expect that. They don't expect a quick, hard running winger to be hitting that kind of in between 12 and 13 channel. Well, what Wales have been, what Wales did, and I thought they utilised it fantastically against France, was bringing both Reese Summer and Adams off the wing on the inside crash ball and the outside crash ball direct off nine and 10. So it would be almost the blind side winger getting involved um, in those early stages. And Louis Reese Summer, and I think I said this earlier on in the tournament, physically... In the, and and it, obviously he's growing up and he's getting bigger and he's playing a lot more um, rugby at this level. But if you look, if you if you look at a picture of Lewis Rees-Sabbat from this time last year, he looks like a boy. Now he looks like he's probably put on, you know, maybe five or six, maybe even ten kilos, and he is still as quick. 
but he's a he's, he seems and looks a lot stronger, right? I think somebody needs to look oh. into the supplements they're using at Gloucester because Ollie Thorley's done the same as well. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> they've got some special mix in their protein shakes. They've yes. they've cracked the code. Well, they're, uh, but they're depending on little boys, aren't they? Well, I know we're not talking about Prem here, but they just they literally have brought out the academy side, haven't they, and just give them a run around. But that's just that's just because there's no relegation anymore. But so you might just see all these monsters next season. What what do you make of that Wales backline, Ryan? And you know how how it's evolved throughout the tournament. Yeah, look. I'm oh, sorry, I just did a Lawrence Delalio, didn't I? Yeah, look. Um, listen, 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 somebody else listen, 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 listen. Um, it's a real tough one. I, I with Wales, this always reminds me of, and, and Phil made a really good point, and, and said so Russ about stumbling upon a backline. It all goes back. Do you remember the 2003 game where Wales played New Zealand and ran them close and totally thrilled them, and and, and then you had. Alfie at fullback, which he's never played before. You had Shane Williams on the wing, dazzling, and you had young players all around. And then it was suddenly like, oh, these players can play. You're right. They've been forced to go into that, but then they've adapted. And I think that is Wayne Pivak's way of doing things. I think we possibly might not see Lee Halfpenny again. You know, I think that that might be the case because he's, he's come up short. I think what's going to happen when Gareth Anscombe comes back now? Because you've got a different type of player, Callum Sheedy, on the bench, and I know I'm a bit biased, but you have got that person who has Sheedy's exceptional. Like, he's been he's been Wales's find of the tournament. When people talk about Reece Samet, like Callum Sheedy is the one that has I think probably surprised everybody the most when he came on against England. Like personally, when Bigger went off after 50 minutes or whatever it was, I was rubbing my hands together thinking. Oh, fantastic. That's a real bonus for England. And Sheedy just ran the show from there. And he did and he did similar, you know, he had a similar type of game when he when he came on against France, I thought. Yeah, it's um for Callum it's tough really, because I don't think he's used to coming on now because he's always started for Bristol and and and, and Pat's kind of built the team around him and his decision making and stuff. So that's a tough one for him to come on and prove his worth. I think you've also got a problem with scrum half at Wales. Well, you don't know who your number one scrum half is now. You've got people like Reese Webb, who, who I know he's injured now, but he can't even get in the squad. It's, it's Thomas uh, Williams. Well, is, is it, though? Yeah. I'm well, not so K- sure about um, Kieran Hardy. Kieran Hardy Kieran didn't Hardy have a bad game against England. Yeah. Hardy, was, Hardy awesome. was fantastic. He was he was really good. But to me, if I'm Wayne Pivak, I'm starting Williams if he's fit. Who would you have on the bench, then? Gareth Davies, just because he's something different and more physical? And more experienced in it, probably, yeah. Good good problem to have, isn't it? Yeah. Ben, have you got any well, thoughts on uh, Wales? Um, <clears throat> my thoughts on Wales is um, that they... Uh, I was going to make a bad joke, but I'm not going to. Um, when they win the first three games, then they're extremely dangerous. Um, and this time, like Ryan said, it, it was partly with a bit of luck, but I think once they get the momentum behind them, they're almost impossible to be, to stop. Um, and, and I think every Grand Slam they've had, they've kind of started from a not fancy position, but as they've sort of picked up momentum, um, 
And it, it they don't seem to do England seem to be like a pendulum. They'll play well, but then they'll regress. And and if if you catch them on a forward swing, they're um really dangerous. But then the next game they could be you could catch them on the backswing and they, they don't look very good anymore. Whereas once Wales get some confidence behind them, it's like a it's like uh like a boulder going downhill. And um because I, I genuinely thought when France scored after about three minutes that it was going to be a an absolute blowout. I thought France were going to put 30, 40 points on them. Uh, but they came straight back because they had the belief to do so. Um, so whether it's a ma- matter of they got the s- selection right or if it's just more a sort of mentality thing, um, you know, they did really well to... To be within four or five minutes of of winning the tournament, of not winning the tournament, of winning the Grand Slam, I think we've talked a lot about their backs, but their their back row is just exceptional as well. Um, and I, I don't know. I was I was talking yesterday. I think with with this tournament, um, it seems to be with almost all the teams except England that they're big players that have been off the boil through perhaps injury for a few years have, have really come back. So people like Davis and North and Faletau for Wales and Henshaw and Furlong for Ireland, they've really hit their straps and that's made those teams more um, competitive, whether that's because it's a lion's ear or whether it's just that they've been lightly run because of the, the virus and they've, they've, they've got over their injuries. I don't know. Um, gone off at a tangent a little bit there, that's but right. yeah, I, I think with Wales, their big players have, have come back to the party. Um, your yeah, your, your Falatows and, and Davis and, and, and North. So I think that helps as well. And I suppose that's probably the third point on the on the backline issue is the fact that yeah, George North might not entirely know how to defend perfectly at 13, but other than off first phase ball, Wales have got a phenomenally mobile, active back row which kind of makes it a bit easier if you've got players playing slightly out of position, I would say. Um, and to be fair, I've been, I've been critics, probably a fairly strong word, but I've been a, a critic of Alan Wynne Jones in that I don't wank him off as much as everybody else, but uh, he, he put in a reasonable amount of work on Saturday and impressed me. He's got a Tom Brady effect. And I, I know you're going to say that I really fear for Wales when he goes, like, I think the leadership, the second row unit, the pack, I really do think that's I've, I've never been for Wales, to be honest. <laughs> it it does it does make a lot of sense. What he offers it's like it's like the you know, Mike Brearley to use uh, to coin their English <laughs> cricket reference. It's around like cap captaining itself and leadership is a incredible skill. And whilst I've been very honest about my assessment of Adam Wynne Jones previously, um, is I don't think he is a great rugby player. I don't think we would remember Alan Jones for his, you know, is the great things he does at lock. I do. I think that if Alan Wynne Jones is South African. Would he have had, you know, would he have got in the team over the likes of Botha and um, 
Oh, God, who was the other guy? Matfield. Victor, Matt Victor Matfield. Would yeah. he have got in or, the New Zealand team over Ritalik? You know, I know, it, and it's ifs and buts, but like... He doesn't get if, 150 caps. He doesn't get 150 any, any caps. Any other tier agree. one nation apart from yeah. Scotland. Well, I do Probably not even, yeah, not not Ireland, I wouldn't have thought, over sort of O'Connell and Don, um, Ryan. I mean, he's better than Devon Toner. Let's, let, we'll give him a little bit of credit. Um, he's just not as tall. Um but yeah, so as far as the position goes, but what you cannot argue with is his leadership ability and his ability to get the best out of other players, which I suppose you know, it is absolutely a skill in itself and warrants his his position in the side. And and for that reason, you know, I have finally come round to the fact that you know I would not be upset if he was named Lions captain for for whatever happens this summer. He he doesn't get in my team. I'll well, be honest. he as a as a player he doesn't get in my team, but as a leader, galvanising people and bringing them together, I think I think he starts the test matches. Yeah, there should only be one captain of the Lions. There's no is he no is he that it. is he quite a uh, um, quite distinctive. A distinctive person. Yes. <laughs> according, according, to the, according to the Celtic nations, he shouldn't be picked because he gives away too many penalties. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I, uh, my thing is, my thing is with that argument is, and I know people going to go, "Oh, Martin Johnson wasn't captain of England." I think you've got to have captained your country. Times have changed since 1997. That's why you yeah. don't have. That's why you don't have an uncapped player in the squad anymore, like Will Greenwood. But cap, no, see, captaining, captaining the Lions is very different from captaining your country. And it's a point that I'll probably come on to later. Which, You've which got to be why, in the team to be captain. Yeah, but then also I think that you could be captain of the team, uh, like Alan Wynn, and 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 play because of what he offers as, yeah. as a leader. And, and it pains me to say that because there are at least five better second rows. Oh. I, think you, I think you're judging the athlete and not the player. And does that make sense? As in uh, like... No, 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 no. I, as, as a second row forward, for the job that I expect a second row to do, I think that there are five better second rows than Alan Wynne Jones. But then now we're gonna go down this rabbit hole of money ball and all of this stuff is is like what's the outcome? Uh, absolutely. That's that's, is... that's that's the answer, you know, and yeah, that's yeah, yeah. my argument's very much I guess what you're saying is you need him in the team and you need him as captain to get the better outcome. Correct, correct. Because because yeah. if he's not if he's if he's not captain, then he's not in the team. Because he's not, you know, whilst he's still is offering a leadership role, he is not the leader. He's probably my midweek captain. <laughs> you're being so offensive tonight yeah. it, I mean you're being offensive tonight because you've looked at the premiership uh, league table and you know I'm coming on no, we're seven no, points no. above okay. no not at all I, I literally could not give a shit about the I mean, premiership this we, season we, we, we've skirted, uh, we've skirted we away we've skirted away from, from nothing the game. to do with Bristol yeah, okay. we've skirted away from the game let's let's move on let's get back to that um, obviously half time 17 all 
Wales, France have lost Jalabert to HIA and, and subsequently had to, to go off. But, you know, they bought Untermac on, which isn't a bad replacement, is it? Um, Dupont is doing his thing, although I, I thought Wales kept him largely quiet, a lot like England did. I thought that they dealt with him. They dealt with him very well, other than the the try, which was a phenomenal piece of uh, skill by Doulin and uh, Jalabert to put him in. Um, I thought he was fairly quiet. What I want to talk about is obviously the way Wales then stepped on the gas early in that second half. Obviously, there was the Josh Adams try, which. I found really infuriating. And whilst I thought Barnes and Pierce on the whole had a very good game officiating, there is no way Luke Pierce actually saw that ball grounded because on every replay it didn't show it grounded. So the yeah. so so should the so questioning and and that TMO sort of interaction, Wayne all you could tell Wayne Barnes wanted to, to say to Luke Pierce. He hasn't got that ball down there. I think but I th- there was I th- no clear yeah. evidence. There was no clear evidence that you've got to compare this grounded. to the other one, though. You've yeah, got to compare yeah, yeah. It to the other one. And I think, I think, and I think the thing here what happened here is a human error. I think Luke had yes. it in the doubt of his mind. I should have given it Gareth Davies. I need to write that wrong here. Does yeah. anyone else think that he did that? A, a little bit, but I uh. also think I also think that. In, in that situation where you get there, where you get there and you cannot see that ball grounded, you have, in my opinion, you have to say, I've got held up no try on the field. You I need agree. to prove to me that it's a try rather than I'm, I, I'm 99% sure it's a try because he, ne- he there is no way he could have seen it grounded with the naked eye because of all of the replays that we watched, not one person saw it grounded. So, so it has I, to be the right way around. So I disagree in that the, the unwritten law is that the benefit of the doubt should go with the attacking side. But if he doesn't see it grounded, the question should be try yes or no. And then yeah. leave it entirely then up was, to the TMO. Okay, leave but, it entirely when was the last time? When was the last time you heard that try yes or no question? It's, it's, it's changed it's always now. You on-field decisions. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you can't. You yeah, can't yeah. do it anymore. The, but, the laws have changed, haven't they? But you, you can made, tell. You made a really important... You can it's, it. it's the same as the um, the third umpire in the cricket for catches that are 70 yards away and the umpire's asked to give a soft signal. Well, how can you say the umpire's got a better view there than multiple yeah. cameras that, that oh, yeah. are going to show it? There, there has to come a point where you go, the camera's going to provide the best opportunity here, not the person. Um, but saying that the person has to make a decision, you know what, I, I, I just want to agree with your initial statement. That I think Pierce had an excellent game. He, kept the game flowing. He put the nines under pressure to get the ball out quickly, which was good. Yeah. Um, the scrums were clean. The, the the rucks were clean. Yeah, generally pretty happy with how that was refereed. Here's, here's a flippant officiating comment for you. How come the other teams get to have people like Wayne Barnes and Luke Pierce now officiating their games and we get stuck with fucking Raynal and Andrew Brace and all because these we, shit pro team... And French referees. Because we can't have English referees refereeing England games. And the English English referees are the top of the game at the moment. And also, Brace had a decent game against France. I I was being flippant. I I like Poit, I think, is a good referee. But the two younger French referees are so fussy. 
Oh, yeah. Ray, I mean, we'll get on to England Ireland in, yeah. in, in a bit, but girls, yeah, and Reynard, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about Reynard in, in, a, in a few minutes. <laughs> um, like, and yeah, well, we'll 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 just keep rugs. I know Ryan, you've you've got to you've got to get on gone in a minute. No, guys, guys, let, I've got I've got about twenty five minutes, so I'm okay. here for the long. Well, let's 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 talk about the the red card incident then very quickly. Um, well. What what did you think? I, you know, absolutely for me, red card, no question, no doubt. Right, it's fine. It was reckless by Wilhelmser. It was it was poor, you know, and it deserved to be a red card. What I fundamentally disagree with is the absolute villain that he has gouged Win Jones because yeah. he's not gouged him in any way, shape, or form. He's tried to drag him out, and you can see his hand slip up, and it's got him around the face, and he's dragged him back. That is not an eye gouge for me. It is, it's, it's an outcome. It's unfortunate. It's a red card. But don't call it a, oh, he's a dirty bastard because he gouged him. That's not true, is it? It's, it, no. it was a, France, it France was an have out- a reputation, though, don't they? Maybe it's, unfairly. And he's not, no, 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 not unfairly. Yeah. No, no, I've, I've, I've <laughs> well played in France. It's, it's yeah. perfectly fair. I've played, I've played a couple of matches Don't in they France. testicle grab as well? That's the other trick. Oh, pretty much anything's fair game as far as the French are concerned. Oh, my God. But, but he's, gone to clear, he's gone to clear the player out. He's gone past Wynne Jones, his hand's behind him, and he's gone to grab whatever he can to pull him back. And his hands just happened to have ended up in the eye. It's reckless. It's dangerous. He's got a red card. He'll get a ban, a, a sensible ban, but he won't get like a whatever, 40-odd yeah, week no, or whatever. No the malice or intention right. or, you know, he's not gone to go. He's gone to clear him out and pull him out of the ruck. It's just so up and that's where his hand has ended up. Do you see any differently, Ben? Um, no, I think um, I think it's a straight red. Um, he had to go as soon as it was spotted. I think Brian Moore pretty much spotted it straight away. So it wasn't... Uh, um, it was pretty obvious, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like hidden at the bottom of a ruck or anything like that. I think you're probably right. He, he wasn't going into that contact with the intention of gouging anyone or, but I think Sam Warburton said it after the game, he'll have known he had his face and he should have just let go and he didn't. So I think he's for that reason, he, he's got to go. Um, and, and, and when he did go, I, 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 I really thought that was game over. 100%. I don't think there is a person on this planet who thought, oh, I know, Wales now have had their um, their uh, customary red card for the opposition and uh, <laughs> and, and they're now going to not win this game. And, but, like, the way that France attacked during that period of play, that passage of play, was an indication of what's to come because Wales had their warning. Obviously, then Falatel got his yellow card. Williams got his yellow card. Um, France got over, and and then it all kind of led to you know. It was all even after Olivon's try. It was still very much in Wales's hands, and they were running the clock down. And how often do you see? When teams are doing that stupid, like one out, one out ruck thing, where they're kind of just 
getting it and flopping to the floor to try and waste the time. How often do you see referees almost feel like penalising them because it's such a shit way to waste time? Because you can yeah. give that flopping over your feet, um, flopping off their feet, pretty much any ruck sealing off, you know, whatever. Because France weren't even in a position to contest most of those rucks to get the ball off them because there were so many Wales bodies on top of them. He could have given that penalty. It, I think they probably did it four or five times before he actually gave it. And they were doing the same thing every time. So you you think you either give it once or you give it early or not give it because it was exactly the same scenario just being replayed over and over again. And And I thought once they gave that penalty away... The result was inevitable. It's it's like a penalty in um, martial arts for passivity. It's they're they're giving it because the players are not making any active attempts to play positive rugby. You can pretty much guarantee if you, if they do that and they're running forwards with it, that penalty doesn't get given very often. But if you just flop to the ground and three people flop on top of you, you're going to get pinged every time. Well, you and and you almost deserve to be, but yes. as I say, once that once that is given, it was the right was on the wall for Wales. I think, I think um, probably the fact that they were down to thirteen had a big impact on that because yeah. if, if you box kick that away with two people, two of your cover down, then you, you're kind of asking for trouble with with Dupont. Oh, Dupont had gone off by then, hadn't he? But you know the the French sort of counter attacking DNA. Doulan Pinot. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but I mean, you can you can do the single pass, charge it up, set up a ruck, um, and that's a that's a perfectly sound tactic when you when you're up when there's a um, couple of minutes to go, or even if you're level with a couple of minutes to go, you've just got to go up and then and then secure uh, I, the ball. I think not I just think drop a, to the floor. I think a, a re, just a really good kick would have been enough because Doolan had the butterfingers all game, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it must have been very tempting just to try and play the clock out. But your full your fullback's off, though, isn't it? And if they do kick back, yeah. that's where the trouble is. So I think you raise a good point, 13. Look, uh, I've done a Lawrence Delalio again, haven't I? Look, <laughs> listen. Listen. I, stop, I hate this. Um, we saw Bristol do it yesterday. And I didn't say that because I watched the whole game and I was thinking, oh, God, here we go again. But... Teams do it. Munster did it for years. Ireland did it. All the great teams do it. Saracens do it. Uh, you know, I, I think you're right. That's the positivity. You've, you, you've just got to be so clinical in your in your action because you're just what you're doing is you're you're giving the ref an option to ping you, aren't you? Yeah. And they weren't. And yeah, they weren't. They- they weren't driving into the opposition. Like they were literally getting it, and it's almost they're your own worst enemy at that point. Because if your ball carrier is dropping straight away, there's almost nowhere for his support to go. So you've got nothing to to drive over. So you're in yeah. a position where you're going forward. The play is dropping in front of you. At least, at least if there is a contact, there is something to clear out, and there is something to to go up against. When you're setting up a ruck by passing it out and almost passively falling, there's you're not clearing anything out, which then means you, you're almost sealing off and just flopping over, as opposed to binding and, and driving off and through. But, you know, and like it's, you say, it's, a lot of teams do it. It's shit and it's chronic hypoxia-driven, but these, these players will drill rucks 150, 200 days a year, 
and not once will they drill a ruck where the where the ball carrier catches the ball and then drops to the ground straight away. Or, it's all about one, it's all about you take the hit get and then by you a drop. referee. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, but a fantastic, a fantastic test match, um, all in all, and and a great and a great advert for rugby. I'm just absolutely delighted on a personal level that uh, that Wales didn't get a Grand Slam. So, sorry about that. <laughs> and it was it was great. It was great to see. Um, any more on Wales versus uh, France before we move on? Yeah, one so name we've done we haven't mentioned. Five minutes. One name we haven't mentioned who was an absolute legend all tournament, Josh Navidi. Yeah. <laughs> no, Navidi has been class. And he's another one that's benefited from a bit of time away. He's, been, he's had a lot of injuries, isn't he? But like um, Ben mentioned, the Wales back row is phenomenal. It's mobile, it's strong, it's good over the ball, it carries hard. Um, and it, you know, everybody, everybody's staking their, staking their claim. And they're all three of them will be in the the, the Lions squad for the, the summer, whatever that looks like. I'm I'm quite sure. Um, back, back row is hardest thing to pick, I think, in that yeah, Lions squad. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but let's let's move on to a team that may not have many people in the Lions squad if it was based solely on uh, the outcome of this Six Nations. Um, Ireland versus England. Now, I want to start this off just by saying when that game finished on Saturday, I tweeted from the all over account <laughs> criticising England's performance, saying it was the worst performance of the tournament, only to be met by an Irish fan saying, well, you're not going to give Ireland any praise. <laughs> well, no, because I was talking about England and England's performance specifically. So just to be clear, you don't you can be critical of one side and not you can ha- literally have a one-sided point of view. I wasn't criticizing Ireland. I, I you know I actually said well done to them in another tweet. But if I'm talking about a specific subject, to I don't have to balance that off by saying another team played well in that same tweet or in that same thread. And that was what the argument like that that was what this this particular person was arguing and. I, I had to shut it down pretty quickly because it was it was really winding me up. Um, Eddie Jones, Ben, said afterwards that England improved as the tournament went on. Um, uh, that uh, how England improved and still put in that performance against Ireland was beyond me. I I can't I can't fathom it. I don't understand it. Can you can you make any sense of it? No, no. Um... Yeah, it was bad. Well, it start the game started off actually quite well for England, but um, after twenty minutes, it just fell to pieces. And and maybe your Irish friend is is right to a certain degree in that Ireland played well and they probably outperformed England from one to fifteen, to be quite honest. But um, I don't think you can say England have, have improved at all. I mean, if if you just stop the tournament after the French game, then perhaps you could say that, but. Um, I'm not quite at the. I'm not quite as anti Eddie as the rest of you are. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be gutted if he if he if he was sacked. But I also wouldn't be too upset if they kept him. Um, I don't see too many sort of options to take over. Um, 
but this tournament's been been bad. Um, the only sort of um, consolation is the last time they finished fifth, they won it the following year. Um, so if, if that's the case, then... <laughs> the, the only consolation is history says there might be some hope of getting better. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think. So wait, uh, otherwise Italy will beat them and they'll get the wind spoon next year. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. They can't. They can't help themselves, can they? These Welshies. Oh. Yeah, he's got, got to have a dig, isn't he? Um, yeah. Um, I just think he's not even really Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you the only Cornishman, Ben? Yeah. Oh. What do they call non-Cornish? Is it is it Gromit or is it what no, is it? No, it's Emmets. Emmets. Oh. In in polite circles. Um, <laughs> Shorter yeah. words and impolite ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's not what they put on the bridge uh, after last lockdown, <laughs> was it? Um, no. I just. I think if you look at Eddie Jones's squad. A lot of people have a lot of complaints. And I think, actually, in terms of who should be in that isn't, I think Marcus Smith should definitely be in the squad. Yeah. Simmons should definitely be in the squad. I Which don't one? think um, Sam. But I don't think he should be starting eight. I've, I've, I've seen him start eight for England, and it, it didn't end well. It didn't begin particularly well either. But I think as a as a bench option to come on at eight with twenty minutes to go, or to come on at seven or six, I think he's he's absolutely perfect for the squad. Um, your other two back rowers that should be in have both been injured, so um, Willis and Underhill. Um, in terms of of centres, I'm not sure there's a huge amount knocking around um, that's not already in the squad. You could maybe argue Marchant, but or, he's, or injured. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's got his best two wingers out there. Fullback, of course, is a different option. Um, but he wasn't going to play at fullback before this game started. So and I would have been interested to see Daly start at 13 because he had some absolute howlers in that game, but he actually did a few bits very well. Um, he just isn't a, a natural fullback, and, and it's very difficult to play at, at fullback in any game, but in an international, especially if um, Sexton's already proved he's going to be sticking bombs up in the air um, with a pretty great regularity. I think that's the biggest... I, I can almost see his logic. He, he wants a, a sort of third fly half on the pitch, decision maker, but it just isn't working. And it's not doing the player any good. It's not doing the team any good. Um, personally, I think they should be looking at either the Glanville or Stewart or both and, and getting Ooh. them in the squad. If he wants so, that, though, Maylands is probably the only option you've got as a real second, like a, another 10 coming I, up from fullback. And he's I, I been just, given one game and he didn't play well. But I just I just think it's a flawed flawed plan. Um, Maylands, I thought he did all right at fullback, but he's another slash fullback. He's a fly half slash fullback. And I, I, I think that you you want someone who plays there every week and has has the positioning and the instincts and and I think that they'd be better off finding someone who can cope with a high ball and 
marshal their defence. I worry. So, you mentioned sorry. You mentioned the Glanville and Stewart there, Ben. I wonder whether there's a a touch of the let's say once been twice shy with the whole rookie fullback. You know, they bought Furbank in this time last year, didn't they? For yeah. the Six Nations. And he'd been playing exceptionally for Northampton. Great under the high ball, counter-attack and all that sort of stuff. He played against France in that first test match. He had an absolute shit show. He played a couple of tests after that, didn't he? And it wasn't great. And then we basically never saw him again. We haven't seen him again. And I think he's only just starting to recapture his form for Northampton because his confidence took a real knock. And I and I worry that you know, an an inexperienced player of De Glanville or or Stewart could end up down the same down the same route. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not I I don't think Malins was bad at all. So for this tournament, if he'd been fit, I'd have been quite happy with him playing at fullback. But I do think they need to start bringing these players in. I think well, we know De Glanville was in an England squad because he managed to get himself sent home from it, didn't he? But um, <laughs> you know, um, but I, 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 as I say, I don't think it's doing daily any good, as well as it's not as it's not doing the team any good. And um, going back to the like the original point, even the front five with Launchbury out and Laws out, then there's not a huge amount of options. I, I think Yules has done pretty well since he's come in. Um, but something Doug would probably say, which I think is true, is they don't look like they're having a great deal of fun and they look like they want to go home. Ian Boson said that, so, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did, yeah. So so if we... I, that, to me, the issue with Eddie Jones isn't selection. And I kind of agree with you on this, Ben. Although if we go back to the start of the tournament, Dougie, as he has since the World Cup, is clamouring for, for kind of wide-scale changes and bringing in other people who are going to be there for the 2023 World Cup. Um, and your riposte to that, Ben, was that very much you just want to win games of rugby. Well, we've stuck with the same squad and we've lost games of rugby. So it's kind of backfired. That having been said, I do agree that actually the, the players that are in there are capable of putting in much better performances like we saw in the France game, than what we've seen since, which means it's not the players, it's the system and it's the culture that's in place. Now, we're going up against Ireland, who have probably the most physical back row in the Northern Hemisphere and stick in some solid centres in there as well. And we go back to that, we're going to charge it up the middle twice and then box kick technique. It was destined to failure. It doesn't matter who you've got there, unless you've got Tuolangi and... Back of towers, your two centres, it's not going to work unless you've got um, that the oh, the South African number eight. Um, what's his name? Uh, Vermeulen. Vermeulen. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to work. And with the semi-fit um, Billy Vanapola, because he hasn't put the dozen games under his belt that he needs, it's not going to work. Yet, how many times did we get the ball? And that's why, actually, I was much happier with the concept of um, of, a, of a Lawrence Daly backline because Lawrence can charge it up from 12 and then you've got that out ball to get it out to Daly and get it out the outside. How many times did we get outside their 12-13 channel? It pretty much never happened. True. And that's really what we should have been trying to do from, from fairly early on. So my biggest issue with Eddie is the fact that we keep reverting to a system that's been proven not to work. 
and the players have no freedom and it has to be a cultural freedom thing to adapt the way they play because when they're yeah. playing for their clubs they do adapt the way they play according to the oppositions or they respond to coaching information to to adapt the way they play they play like automatons they play like they've got a program to play a certain way and they don't have the ability to change that on the pitch and for me as long as Eddie's in charge that's going to be the way that that it goes and the question shouldn't be is there anybody out there who can do a better job than him because everybody could do a better job than him because the reality yeah. is or or at least as bad a job as him um, because the reality is you stick those players on the pitch and you give them no instructions, they're probably going to beat Italy. You stick them on the pitch and you give them no instructions, they're probably going to do a better job in some of the games well, than they, what they they'll have. Work, they'll work it out so, because play, exactly. good good players, the best players have the ability to adapt to any situation that's put in front Give me a grand a game and I'll manage them and I just won't say yeah. a thing and I'll just leave I, them to I, it. I, I'll, I'll prove this team. wrong. I'll prove this wrong. So when Owen Farrell went off with HIA, it came out today that England had the ability to put George Ford back on and Eddie Jones oh, yeah. vetoed it and put Dan, wanted Dan Robson at fly half for tactical reasons. Yeah, that for me is just madness. It is madness. Yeah, flipping horseshit. Yeah, so and that's so that, that's why he's shit. Yeah, so that's that's my point. It's it's rad, radical Eddie doing things that is so Eddie like. But my but my point around the players, if the players, the players proved against France a bit like well, they proved against France that when you take the handbrake off and you give a, a slightly flexible game plan, because against France we kicked. And we ran. It all not in necessarily an equal measure, but we kicked and we ran, and there was a bit of balance. Against Scotland, we kicked far too much and offered no running threat. When you're not offering any running threat, it's very, very easy to defend a kick because you know it's coming. So you can be passive in defence. You don't have to rush defence because you don't have to put the pressure on because you know they're going to kick, which enables you to set up for that. Yeah. If you've got... Similarly, if you've got a team that isn't kicking and running everything from everywhere, you blitz from the outside and you shut down the run. All of a sudden, you force those mistakes. That's where if, you've, if you're running a lot, that little chip in behind or whatever, the option to chip in behind, is a, such a valuable weapon against a rush defence. But if you're doing either of those things exclusively, it's very easy to defend. Unless... Unless... What you're doing is executed to the absolute nth degree. Now, if you're going to kick everything, it needs to be executed perfectly to a point that every single kick, box kick or bomb or whatever, is contestable. So you've got a chance of winning that ball back every time. You might not win it back every time, but you've got a chance either of gathering the kick or forcing the knock-on. What England have lacked when they've employed this kicking tactic is any sort of decent execution. So Similarly, we... when you run, if unless you execute that run with slick hands, everybody's running their lines and giving the ball once drawing the man and passing, you're not you're not going to go anywhere. So you have to execute. So if we pick on three specific things that where England fail to learn both within games and between games. You've got, there was the kickoff where Itoje got lifted, caught the ball, and I think it was Ty Byrne came round 
the other side, no no mall formed, came around the other side, Atojo came down and pretty much gave him the ball. And that happened again at exactly the next kickoff. Now, you've seen them do it once. Why, why do it again? You've got England persistently over the Six Nations have overcommitted for long balls at the line-out. They stick a pod up at the back and just leave Curry sweeping up the back end. And they've been caught a couple of times with, with bits of quick hands. And I refuse to accept, as much as it may have been a training ground move for Keith Earls, I refuse to accept it went exactly as they wanted it to because Curry very nearly ruined that for, for Keith Earl's try. But Ireland have obviously done their homework and gone, you know what, if we throw it over the top, throw it long, England are going to stick a pod up at the back and they've just got Tom Curry there. So if we have somebody running in that channel, they've got no no defence against that. And we don't learn. We make the same mistakes again. And then you've got Billy Vinopola runs up the middle, gets held up, the whistle it gets called a mall super quick and we lose the ball. So what does he do the next time? He runs in upright and gets gets caught again. What does George Ford do five minutes later? Runs in upright, gets caught again. Now, if the ref's going to blow super quick for that, you you've got to be prepared to hit the deck as soon as there's any contact. That, and they just don't they just don't learn. No, and that's that's one of the things where I felt uh, Reynal was unbelievably fussy. There were at least five occasions where England were penalised for doing something where an exact mirror image happened either a little bit later in the second half where Ireland did that w- that was not given. And I, I, and I said this earlier in the tournament, Eng- England, without coming across woe is me, because England didn't deserve anything, they didn't, they didn't play well enough or, or they just didn't, they didn't deserve anything. But England are almost being penalised out of games at times through their own indiscipline, but also some fussiness and failure to adapt to referees. And I think, you know, England were very good in Jones's early, uh, in early days of identifying where the lines were with the referees within the first 10, 15 minutes of games. And then, taking it right to the line, over it, and then stepping back because they knew where it was. They they seem to have spectacularly failed at that in this tournament. 67 penalties is the joint most of any team at any Six Nations tournament, which was only equaled by Italy during this tournament. And you expect Italy to give away a lot of penalties, considering the amount of, uh, the amount of pressure they find themselves under. England shouldn't be finding themselves under that much pressure to give away that many penalties. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks for coming, mate. Cheers, guys. See you next time. See you later. Cheers, mate. Um, can we? Can I just say, actually, I know we've spent a lot of time kind of talking about England and all of England's woes. Um, of the games that England have lost, I was actually most impressed with the way Ireland executed their game plan. I thought they, they obviously, it, it wasn't necessarily the most exciting game plan, but they knew what they wanted to do and they and they did it very well. The Irish back row played well. Um, Henshaw is a hell of a player. Um, and yeah, I just think they, they did everything they needed to do really well and deserved to win that. I think Henshaw would have a um, good shout to be player of the tournament, to be quite honest. Um, yeah. I think he's been brilliant. I thought... Uh, as well, uh, Byrne has, has been 
really good all through the tournament and he was good again on Saturday and Furlong demolished Genj and Makota, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've you've got to give. I mean, I thought I thought maybe um, England had more of a chance when when Connors was pulled out um, because I thought he was uh, really good the week before. Um, and to be honest, I thought we were the the, the red card. I thought was um, harsh on Aki. Yeah. I mean, he did he did hit Vunipola in the head, and that there was no uh, suggestion that Vunipola made the most of it because he was knocked out cold. But Vunipola was very low, and Aki had got lower. Um, it, it was harsh, but it was within the letter of the the laws as they currently stand. Fuck the uh, framework. Yeah, Ruff, we hate the Ruff, framework. Ruff, Ruff had no choice. Um, the other the other thing actually that I thought about where England don't learn very first scrum. Ireland do the oldest trick in the book and have a really passive hit and England give away a free kick for an early push. Straight, Next. In, the, straight in the referee's head. That is like, that is referee management 101. Next two scrums, what, does hap- what happens? Ireland have a very passive hit and England get pinged for an early push. It's, it's, it's like schoolboy stuff. And, and, and it was, a, it was a also um, pretty typical that uh, Sexton and Murray chose to have their best games in about three years as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose that shows how well the, the Irish game planned it. Um, and, and maybe yeah. Owen talks in his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure he lives with Andy and his mum anymore. But oh, um, no, they they all live in a big big rugby league house, don't they? <laughs> it's it's a mid terrace in Wigan. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Andy's just up at night taking notes. Yeah. Well, I will. Um, oh, I've lost my, my trail of thought there. I was going to say something. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. I can't remember what it was, but uh, very, very frustrating. And and it'll be interesting to see where England go from here and and what happens. I saw there was a um, there was talk of a, a break clause in Eddie Jones's contract. So, the, yeah, the RFU are looking into it and um, Bill Sweeney had a meeting with Eddie today to talk about the future and they're going to look into it and report early next week. My, um, my, my, my outlook on that is probably probably the most sensible thing Eddie Jones has ever said as England manager was... Oh, mate. <laughs> mate. Um, England have, have got to stick to their strengths um you know and he said if they try and play like the all blacks they're going to get beaten um and i think that's true so i i I think some of the more sort of outlandish suggestions from super rugby might be a might be pie in the sky i think you've got a totally yeah you've you've got to go like well what what are the strengths of the english players and 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 that mostly includes beating people up yeah. Um, did you Bren, see Bren, Brendan Venter? There you go. There's talk, a, there's talking a... talking of beating people up. Did you see the the very clipped up thing of Ellis Genge and uh Johnny Sexton that seems to have been blown out of all proportion yeah. uh, by you... Ireland's Ireland sides? Have you seen um the beast the beast, has, yeah. the beast has tweeted the video and says uh his exact words are this Ellis Ellis Genge dude needs to be dealt with properly. <laughs> 
And Ellis again just quote tweeted it, replied, just says, I'll let him know. <laughs> um, did you see the one in the Romania game? No. I mean, I don't tend to watch too much. It was it was it was again clipped up on Twitter, but uh, obviously Lloyd's out there in Romania, isn't he? So uh, I I asked him if he'd uh, if he'd seen it, but it's um, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> there's a, there's a guy just it's one of those shots where you can see the guy's face sticking out of a out of a um out of a ruck. And uh, the guy just knees him in the face. Oh, I did see that. The Spain yeah. was Spain, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, yeah, I did see that. But apparently, Spain lost the plot. So um, we can all. I I reckon the RFU uh, investigation into Eddie Jones is going to come back and find that um, he needs an extension to his contract and a two hundred and fifty thousand pound pay rise. That's that's the kind of quality of leadership I think the RFU have. <laughs> it's just a bit of a bit of a shit show around, and I think more than anything, as an England fan, over over and above everything else, as an England fan, it's just so fucking disappointing that if you know if you're going to write a tournament off, which you can't say England have done. But they could have achieved exactly what they've achieved in this tournament and picked a massively experimental squad and everybody would have gone, ah, right, okay, well, I can see what you've done here. Look at, see what you're trying to achieve and, and giving people a view of, you know, what's in the pipeline, giving people international experience. I mean, George, George Martin, for instance, and not in any way any sort of scapegoat because it's not his fault right and you know he what? actually I, did I actually, okay he, he i did thought okay when he came on he looked he looked like he he wanted to get involved right. it was 10 minutes yeah. wasn't it but he looked like he had uh he had more than a clue of what was going on he looked like he was i mean he's a professional rugby player ben you yeah. would hope that that is the case <laughs> no and he's been with the squad for a little while so you know sorry I, more... I i probably didn't put that in the right way what I mean is, it, he almost looked like he belonged in a, in a test match. He, he almost looked like he was organising other people, I think, is, is, is where I'm trying to come from. Yeah, here. okay. He, look, he looks like that kid from the Colts that turns yeah, up and does a bit of first yeah. team training. Gets and then rough. all of a sudden, yeah, he's good. He is. Yeah. play a bit this lad. So, um, so, so, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that, but I think, I think your point is going to be 100% correct. But as you said, it's not a knock on the kid at all. No. And, and actually what he showed was pretty impressive. Yeah, but like, is, is it likely, this is, this is what I, th- I think about, is it likely moving forward with everybody else's fit in a non-COVID secure bubble squad, is he going to get picked? And the answer is probably no. So... Well, so with that in mind, right, why not, you know, you've got, I just, I don't understand, I don't understand the logic. I don't understand the reasoning. And then you've, then you lose mailings the day before the game. And you've, you've obviously sent a dog woo back to his, um, back to his club without playing a minute of rugby for the last eight weeks. And by Christ, wasps have needed him. And you've just dragged him away for eight weeks. You've, you've not played him. And you just think, what the fuck's the point? 
Yeah. You know, I know we we discussed last week, and I had a chat with um, with Robbie Wibble about about the the system he's trying to impress, and you know what he's trying to do with regards to playing a system. But you know, you lose your fullback, you put your 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 other your centre of fullback, and then instead of doing anything else, you bring you bring a, a back row onto the bench. So then you've you've got a two back replacement. And then you lose both your tens, or you substitute your ten, and then you lose another one to HIA, and and you put a nine it 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 scrum off, and it just you know it, it feels like Eddie's Eddie's playing games. It feels like Eddie Jones is playing games with with the England rugby squad, and he's the only one that's having fun with it. He's an Australian, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> It's just, it's just frustrating. Uh, Can we talk about the Lions? Yeah, because I've just written down my team. Okay, let's 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 go and through bench. a little bit of our Lions winners and losers, um, and pick a, a test match. Fifteen. We're probably not the only people to do this. I'm really in the like. I, I drafted something the other day about what, the thing really annoys me that is. XXX or such and such has really hurt their Lions place. They won't get picked for the Lions. For And I use Johnny May as an example. I mean, oh, Johnny May probably won't get picked for the Lions because of this tournament, which is utter bullshit. Warren Gatland is not going to not pick Johnny May because England have had a shit Six Nations and Johnny May's hardly had any ball. He's not so going to do that. And, and, and the Lions, as, as, as much as any squad, is reliant on class because yeah. you've got so many players to pick from um, who are all who are all good that you you need to pick the the, the, the ones with the most ability. You can't really look at form, especially because you're picking a squad way before any test match. Yeah, well, uh, um, and, and and also I. Sorry. Sorry, you go ahead, Ben. No, you the go. other thing I would say is, 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 as again, as much as any squad, you kind of have to um, rely on past performances as well. So if someone has played well for the Lions before and has fitted into the squad before, then they're going to be in a better position for selection than a new kid that's, that's just come off the block. So, Russ, you said something about he's he's not there to decide whether people are good enough players or whatever or something on the group. Um, to me, actually, because because the Lions is such a short kind of, or particularly this year is is likely to be such a short lead in and and such a short tournament. It's not it's not about how good a player is or isn't. To me, it's about how adaptable a player is, and I think that's what he's looking for. Is how do they respond when things don't go. Well, and in that regard, there's very few England players who've done themselves any favours. Um, Correct, but but again, like the Lions is not England. No, and no, that, and that's no. where and that's where all the arguments about Owen Farrell and you know we went to New Zealand four years ago with with uh, Sexton and Farrell playing ten and twelve, you know, and they were both they were both very good over there. So it's it's that. It's those those things that people forget really, yeah. really quickly and really easily. 
And it's not and just because England's game plan isn't working currently. All of a sudden, all of their players are shit. And that's that's not the case. So let's 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 start from let's start from fullback. Let's do it the other way because oh. everybody is gonna everybody's you know everybody always starts it it one it, the front row. So let's start it fullback. Um, nobody else is going to pick anybody than Stuart Hogg, are they? No, no, I, no. I, I don't think that's as clear cut as you might, might think. But I do. I think at the moment you'd have to. So Hogg. it would be it would be Hog. It would be Hog and Liam Williams, wouldn't it? Fighting yeah. out. I don't think yes. that there's any yeah. other there's any other option. So I mean, we could we now, could as much as as much as Liam Williams is doesn't deserve the vitriol that he's got on on Twitter after Saturday's performance. He has shown a bit of a hot-headed side of late, which I think might turn Gatland off a bit. I think um, Gatland knows Liam Williams well enough. Well, he probably, he probably does. But, I mean, getting sent off and then lipping back to the ref and then uh, getting a yellow card. And, and is there a bit of a liability there that you don't get with Stuart Hogg? So, so, so on that theme, I've got him on the wing. <laughs> You've <laughs> got Liam Williams on the wing. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I've I've got. I think Reece Samet will play. Now, I think he's. I think he will play. I've got the other Welshman. I've got Adams. Uh, Adams doesn't do a lot for me. Oh, he's, he scores a lot of tries. He, he's like he's like Chris Ashton. He just appears in play, and he, that's not an actually, accident. He actually reminds me of uh, Cuthbert a little bit. He, he's he's a bit awkward looking, and uh, but does score tries. Uh, I've got um, Williams and Watson as my wingers. I've yeah, I've got Adams and Watson and Van der Merwe as my kind of third option. Uh, see, I don't think Van der Merwe's. Uh, I don't think he's done enough. I think when I look at Watson, May, I look at Resamet and Adams. Um, I don't think any of the Irish wingers get anywhere near it. So, not at the moment. I think uh, I think Stockdale of two years ago does. Yeah, but, well, but not at the moment. But nice. Um, so my my pick is actually Watson and um, Reesamet at the moment. I just think the fact that the Reesamet's bulked up so much, and the fa- and he seems to have added an excellent kicking game, um, and he's quick and he's strong, and I mean he's just an exceptional exceptional talent. So. That, that's where that's where I've gone with that centers. I've gone full uh, Irish. What Ringrose and Henshaw. Henshaw. Okay. I've I've got uh Henshaw and Davis. Um I'm saying Henshaw and Davis too. I've got too many Welsh players to have Davis in as well. <laughs> I just think of uh, a fit a fit Jonathan Davis. Showing what he showed at the back end of this tournament with Henshaw is, I think that has got to be, it's got a an, o, an O'Driscoll and sort of Roberts feel about it to me. Like that sort of partnership, although slightly different players, I think it, it's got that that ability to work. And I think Henshaw has got the, the power run as well as the finesse. You know, like... We mentioned we talked about George for George North earlier and how he seems to have adapted to thirteen. Henshaw can do all of that with finesse. So that, yeah, that's I, why I, we... 
I've, I've, I said earlier, I think Henshaw would, could easily be a player of the tournament. I think he's been brilliant first to last. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. Jonathan Davis is just pure, you know, pure class. He's done it for the yeah. Lions before. And his defence is going to be needed. Um, and I just Again, think, South Africa especially. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, 10. Phil, you already gave yours away. Yeah, bigger. And I'm agreeing with you at the moment, especially against South Africa. Yeah, and that's three of us. I'd have bigger in as well. Well, I just think, I think Sexton is starting to show some age-related marks. You know, good good for age. He's a good for age car, isn't he? He was showing age-related marks four years ago. Yeah, but I think the the way South Africa are probably going to set up to play... I think that Dan Bigger in that 10 channel, potentially having Dealande running straight down his throat is is a is a far better proposition for me. And I think his kicking game is completely on point. And I think he's yeah. as a as a leader in the back line, I think he's superb. Russ, I, I thought I thought that was a real clever link then. What's that, mate? I thought you were gonna say uh, with Sexton showing his age with, with that grey hair, I thought you were gonna say a good, good pair of clippers had sort that out. <laughs> well, you would have thought, wouldn't you? Um, so number nine. Um, I've got um, Muck Dupont. <laughs> Can't do that. Nine uh, is a really nine, interesting one. It's to me, nine's a weakness. Nine yeah. is a weakness yeah. of the lines, and, and I've gone, I've gone for Williams. Um, but yeah, Ali Price blows hot and cold. Uh, Connor Murray is 49. I, I ben think Young's you, is shit. Yeah, I think if you could guarantee that Murray would play as well as he did on Saturday, which at one stage you could, um, I would pick him. But I've for now got Gareth Davis, but I, I think you're right. that I think uh, one and nine are the two that are really up for grabs. Yeah. Um, I think they're, yeah, they're very difficult to pick. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I know I'm I'm struggling. I think one of the Welsh nines, Davis or or Williams, especially if big is at ten, uh, you know, I I would always look at potentially a combination at nine ten. Like obviously Murray and Sexton have worked so well in the past uh, for the Lions, and I think you know if you're going to do that, it's one of those one of those key combinations. Um, number eight, Falatau. Falatau for me all, all day. There's no Falatau has to play in that back row, and I think yeah. the way that Billy, the way that Billy he's is at the moment, he's not going to get the game time in time. No. And and I think of oh, a high enough quality. And I think that Falatau can do everything that Billy can um, with more finesse again. And I think you know, Falatau looks real if he can stay fit. For the remainder of the season for Bath, he really looks back to his best. Um, the the rest of the back row then um, is such a difficult position. I mean, you think you've got Tipperick and the VD, you've got Watson, uh, you've got Curry, you have got um, Underhill, you have got uh, oh gosh, Fagerson. I've, I've got two Englishmen. You've got Burn. You've got 
uh, Omani, you've got Van der Fleer, and you've got Connors, and you've got, I mean, the, the list is is almost endless. Uh, Phil, you said you've got two Englishmen. Yeah, I'm playing. Englishmen. I'm playing. I'm playing an Englishman and a Scotsman. Um, ben, yeah, I've got an Englishman and a Scotsman as so well. So I've I've gone Curry and Watson in a combination. I mean, it, Curry, it's almost Curry, it's almost left, Curry six, Watson seven. It's almost it's almost left and right. I don't think I, it matters. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've gone Underhill and Watson. I've I've gone Curry and Watson because Watson's from Manchester. <laughs> what Hamish Watson has been absolutely phenomenal, and he, you know, every time I watch him play, he excites me. He carries hard. He tackles hard. He he's over the ball. He's abrasive. He's aggressive. He looks like a proper proper irritant and a horrible to, guy to play against. To me. Uh, Curry, Watson, Falatau off that six, off the back of that Six Nations is a back row that almost picks itself with Tipperick or um, Navidi on the bench. But I, I, I what, what I've gone with is um, I think what, what Falatau allows you to do is almost pick any back row you want. Yeah, if you've got. Uh, Say uh, Sam Simmons, you have to build that back row around him. And if you've got Billy, you you for the opposite reason, you still need to build your back row around him. But with Falatau, he's he's good at everything. He's mobile. He's got good defence. He's got good hands. He reads the game well, um, and he carries well. So I think you can almost then pick your your um, other two almost on. On the strengths of a ball carrier and a destroyer, and I've got Underhill there just to wreck things, and I've got Watson there to carry. Um, but you know, if Curry came in for either of them, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset at all. The only reason I haven't put Underhill is because I haven't seen him play for quite a long time. Yeah, I suppose now he's now he's back fit. I just think it, we'll, we'll have to see. Where. Again, this is yeah. all on the proviso that people stay fit before the summer. Mm, of course, there's, all, there's always going to be injuries before the season's out. Um, along with the back row, I think lock is an incredible position to pick. Like incredibly difficult. Um, obviously, James Ryan's missed out a lot of this tournament, but he's been very good recently. Um, a surprise to me is how good Ian Henderson's been for Ireland. I think he's been excellent this tournament, um, but by far their standout, you know, as somebody who can play lock or six, is Ty Byrne. He's so been sane. phenomenal, um, and and Itoji has to play. But I think you know, for me, I'm I'm picking Alan Wynn and Itoji, and it it pains me to say it. Um, are we doing benches as well? Well, we can. We, well, we're oh, kind of doing we're kind of doing benches yeah. with. All the added extra people were putting. Okay, on. so so I've I've got Alan Wynn and Itoje, and I've got Burn on the bench, and I think it's really close. About I think if it was not South Africa, I'd be thinking about Burn, but they will have two absolute monsters in the second row, and then they'll bring two more off the bench. Yeah. Um, so. Um, 
So I think it I would. Li- it would likely be like Mostert and Diego, wouldn't it? With yeah. Snayman coming off the bench, or so. Um, I see. I've gone a toe Jane Byrne and accept the fact you might give away a couple of scrum penalties um, with James Ryan on the bench. Fair enough. No, Alan win. And then, I mean, how many how many scrums do you get in a game? Eight scrums on your putting. If you give away a couple of penalties, so be it. Let's let's. I think it's it's almost as important when playing South Africa to to not try and play them at their game and to try and play them at your. But you've game. just you've just got to, you've just got to secure your own ball at your seven. Yeah, I mean that should be that should be the the primary objective, shouldn't it? Like it shouldn't be. We want to turn the ball over a set piece. Your set piece no. should specifically be we just need to secure our ball. Scrums. Yeah, scrums, it's about getting the ball back. It's not about a platform to attack yeah. from. And and line outs. Itoje, Burn, Curry, you're gonna do pretty well at a line out. Yeah, agree. Um and then the front row. Uh Hooker, let's start with Hooker. I mean, I'm I'm picking Ken Owens. Going with the sheriff. Yeah, Ben Owens for you. No, I would have. I don't one... know how you're picking LCD then. I probably am, although I would still think about George because he's been there and done that. I think Hooker's actually quite difficult, but for a different reason to scrum half, in that you've got three really good options. Um. You discounting Herring? Yeah, I think so. I think I think the two English hookers, you know, I think actually Cowan Dickey's been pretty good in this tournament. Lineout's been good. Um, George is. Did you just to, just can, to chase that? Did you see Eddie Jones, Eddie Jones interview? Eddie Jones interview said the lineout was fifty-fifty when Cowan Dickey was on the pit in the first half. Oh, the mm, lineout was fifty. It wasn't. England won every won single lineout. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will be George, but I'm going to say Cowan Dickey. I've got Cowan Dickey on the bench, and I could swap Owens and Cowan Dickey quite happily either way. I, I would, I would be more inclined to start with Ken Owens, only because I know you know, because of what he offers um, in security, and that's not to say Luke Cowan Dickey doesn't. But I also think bringing Cowan Dickey off the bench enables he, he against he, tired defence. Yeah, destructive, isn't he? I think Owens has been excellent, don't get me wrong. And and he really adds to that Welsh team and, and and something about him says he would be probably top three of the people you want on the tour for the bus. <laughs> and it, and it's gonna be a bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then and props. So Furlong is for one. the for the coach journey back from the millennium to Celtic Manor. Yeah. <laughs> so Furlong, loose yeah. head. Yeah. Furlong, yeah. Uh, tight head. Furlong, tight head. Yeah. And who, but who was who was backup? So I've gone with Francis, but I don't think I, there is a good option. Tight head backup. I think off the bench, Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say Sinclair. Yeah. I wouldn't start him, but off the bench. Not not above Furlong. No. No. But off the bench, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got Furlong. I think Win jo- Win Jones has been excellent. He's, he he's on my option. bench. Uh, I think you have to start Mako. Yeah, 
I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm a big Mako fan, um, but I just don't see. I don't see a, a crap Six Nations where he's got turned over more often than than he's dominated, and then playing a Championship season as being very good preparation for playing against South Africa. I just don't. I don't see it. If he's playing regularly in the Premiership, I think you might be right. I've. I've. I actually. I've gone for the the Ellis Genge. No way. No. I'm, I'm sure he won't get picked, but I just think he adds something incredibly different to what the other props add. Here, in, here's, in, a, here's, in a Joe Marler prick kind of way. Here's something that's slightly controversial. I think Ellis Genge is quite a bit overrated. Everybody was talking about this, you know, the baby, this baby rhino, you know, look at what he does around the loose, look at how he, how he does. I haven't seen anything from Ellis Genge in the last 18 months that makes, I, me, that makes me think he is as good as everybody says he is. But that's um, systems. That's it. It's because... No, he's a you, prop forward, Phil. Yeah, he's a prop forward who's done better in the scrums than Mako, all six nations. He's had, we've been more secure with Genge at loose head than we have with Mako at loose head, all six nations. So he's better technically at that angle of it. But you play a scrum or you do a line out, first phase ball, your front row don't get there. They have no interest in getting there. They're, they're hitting the second phase, if not the third phase, depending on how you're playing it. And we've done one phase and kicked the ball. It's, 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 not, it's not given him the opportunity to do what he wants because he scrummages and then he gets up and he looks at the ball sailing over his head. I, I I kind of I'm a bit halfway between the both of you to be honest. I think um he's put in some incredible performances for Leicester and, and and some of the England performances in the early days were great, but I haven't really seen him kick on. And and one thing that does worry me about him is he, he seems to get the ball ripped out quite a lot because he's really going for extra distance. Um and I think and he's very upright as well yeah, when he runs. He, he's almost sort of trying too hard. I mean, if if if, if um, podcast favourite Joe Marler isn't around, I think he's worth his place in the England squad. But I I think I said earlier, you, sometimes you just got to trust class, and I think in this situation, that's where you what you're doing with Mako. You're just going okay. Also, well, and uh, you, well, you could argue with with that same thing with Keen Healy, couldn't you? Yeah. I'd, I'd rather have Kian Healy because he's more secure in the scrums than than what Mako's been. Mako's if, got if, he's if got dominated Healy, by every other by every tight head in the in the Six Nations. Look, if if Healy or Win Jones started, I wouldn't be disappointed. But I think it, as an attacking weapon, Mako's the best of, of the of the three. Um, we I, I just said about be, the, the bench. Um, just all I was going to say is 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 um, I think North has, has has shown that he could be a really useful useful twenty. He could be a really useful twenty three, couldn't he? Yeah, exactly. Could to cover wing, cover or wing or the centre. Um, I would I would say also a good bench option is Russell because if you are behind and you've got a chance, your arm then then have at it go on have a license just to to have a go um and my uh, my gut feel with russell is that 
when he's when he's in that kind of you've got twenty minutes to try and fix things role, and this is based on very little other than kind of yeah gut feel, he always tries too hard. Then you get the, the best. Danny, you get the, Danny, the, the Danny Cipriani effect. Exactly. Yeah. You get the best out of him when you say you're my number one. Go and take control from the start, kind of thing. But that's not what you want against South Africa. I've I've got Farrell in that role, role just because he gives a bit more flexibility. I mean, Gatlin's shown that he doesn't mind two, playing two tens if needs be. Yeah, I've, and, I've got Burn as, as as the second row on the bench. Got James um, Ryan and and big as an eighty minute player quite often. Yeah, yeah. Well. I think I think if if you're up, you just keep bigger on, don't you? Yeah. Interesting. Well, there's plenty of time yet. There's lots of Premiership and well, Pro 14 to be played. And... At least four of those players we've put in the starting 15 will be injured by the time. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Right. Let's, I mean, we've already, we've already wanked on for an hour and a half. Uh, is there any Premiership chat you want to talk about or is it all... I mean, it seems like a bit of a shit show now. Oh. Bath scoring six tries in the first half against Worcester. Now there's no relegation. It's it's all a bit of a moot point, isn't it? Well, Premiership during Six Nations is always a bit scat up anyway. And then you throw in the fact there's no relegations and teams are just chucking in players to, to see what they're like and seeing if they can stick out a team of English Academy players so that they can tweet about it. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I've, I've watched a bit of Premiership. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> agree. Me. Uh, that's how I feel about Premiership. I'm back to that feeling of Premiership at the moment. Hopefully when the games get a bit more competitive, um, it might it might make a difference when the internationals come back. But uh, obviously we've got the Scotland-France game on Friday night and uh, the conclusion of the... the the Six Nations Championship. I mean, hopefully now France go on and, and beat Scotland and, and win the, the tournament. Well, that's what I hope. Well, that'd be lovely, to wouldn't it? Do, yeah, do either of you have any other business? Uh, yeah. Um, there's one thing that I was going to say before we get too far into any other business. Um, obviously, we've we've had some relatively exciting news as a, as a podcast. Um with a little bit of freebies that we've alluded to along the way and a bit of discount code out there for our valuable listeners. And I just wondered whether we wanted to do a, uh, a, a manscaped baldy of the week. A manscaped baldy of the week. Absolutely. Yeah. A new regular feature. Um, uh, I'd, I'd like to put Gail Fiku forwards for it. Uh, I was going to say Keith Earls. <laughs> Well, I'm go- I'll, I'll take the casting vote on this then. And based on his performances for the whole Six Nations, I am going to, we, we're going to induct Gail Fiku into our Mallover podcast, Manscaped sponsored Baldy of the Week. Because I, I think that. I think that's fair enough because he's been brilliant all time. He has been brilliant. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Uh, and, this is, a, this is uh, a feature that uh, may struggle to run for 50 weeks. Yes. Well, but look out! Look out for the for the voucher code, and uh, you will hear an advert very soon if you've not heard it already. So uh, that's where you can find it, and uh, we'll have some other fairly exciting stuff coming up in the near future. So, yeah. On a, on a moving on to any other business point, um, 
I know uh, Ben and I have spoke about this in one medium or another at some point during lockdown one, I believe. But as we're nearing the end of lockdown three, is it three? Lockdown seven, March the 359th or whatever it is. Lockdown um, three, the lockening, isn't it? Yeah. Um, there is one local company who's helped me out a lot to, to get through this with working at home. Um, so I want to put a big shout out to Tugboat Teas based down in Truro, Loose Leaf Tea. Nice bit of masala chai in the morning, kicks the day off lovely. Hey, um, Phil, you're a monster. You're an absolute <laughs> monster. Tea in the morning, coffee. I mean, tugboat, is, I don't, I don't, for all of your coffee needs. Is there, a, is there a more class thing than loose leaf tea? <laughs> Unbelievable. I've, I've um, had three coffees do, by nine o'clock usually. Lovely stuff. Ben, anything from you? I've got to get off this teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I think uh, I think our small local small business corner was such a uh, roaring such, success. That's a roaring success uh, that we should perhaps start uh, plugging local places. So. Uh, if anyone ever is ever down on holiday in Newquay, then uh, make sure they get to Trevilly Farm Shop. Ooh, nice. Ex- excellent pasties. <laughs> I can't talk highly enough about them. Lovely stuff. Not, not my words. Um, I haven't got anything this week. Uh, you know, I could go into a, a rant about certain people's Twitter accounts and lots of other things, but I'm not going to. So uh, I'm going to end it there. We've, you've got an hour and a half out of us and uh, that's more than enough for any podcast so we'll be back next week um, to chat about some rugby hopefully the lensman will be back and uh, yeah we will see you all then go well Podcast Network.